A capable wife, who can find? Oh boy. That reading landed on my desk this week. I thought, here we go. What were the scholars of the Revised Common Lectionary thinking when they included this reading in the cycle today? My answer to that is, I have no idea. I have no idea. I only have some hunches. But as one member leaving at the 8 o'clock this morning she said, she said, I'm going to go find some flax for my servant girls. So what do they call that, a teachable moment, perhaps? <laughs> Just to give you a few insights into the mind of a preacher, there are lots of ways to handle a sticky text like this. One of the first ways, and frankly classical Anglican ways, is to ignore it and just simply move along <laughs> to the gospel. We're specialists in avoidance, we Anglicans, you know. We do this. We sanitize the lectionary, especially the daily office lectionary where we sanitize those really rough verses out of the Psalms. And then we pretend, ah, we're good people. We're good people. But, you know, sanitizing scripture is sort of like weeding your garden. You can't quite get rid of all the weeds. And so sooner or later, you're going to come across something that is going to trip you up. And this is one of those readings that risks doing that, particularly in the 21st century. This is a text, of course, that was written in a patriarchal age by a patriarchal culture. And yes, most certainly this text was written by a man. <laughs> Now, you know, one of the other steps we can take is, is be cynical and say, oh, this is probably a young man who's dreaming about the ideal wife, and he hasn't been married yet. He hasn't gotten there to the reality. <laughs> but then I started to wonder, what if this is written rather by a wise old man who realizes that when he puts this impossible text in front of his young students, they're going to realize that the perfect marriage doesn't exist, so stop pursuing the perfect marriage. And then think about the context of the book of Proverbs in which Lady Wisdom, which is a manifestation of God's work in our everyday life and work, is really the desirable wife that this passage speaks about. Lady Wisdom, who works in your household and in my household, with us men and with us women, that helps hold our lives together with common sense things. The God, if you will, of the ordinary. The God who meets us when we're doing the dishes and tending to the household. And maybe we'll start to get a little bit closer to what the author had in mind. I leave that to you. The one thread, the one thread that we pull up from this that runs through the other two lessons is this thread of dedication to service. Lady Wisdom in this passage is totally devoted to the life of her household and the life of the wider world. She gives herself in service and that is a calling that runs through the book of James and runs through our gospel reading today. What is happening on the road 
with Jesus and his disciples. Well, as typical as it is in Mark's gospel, the disciples are clueless. They don't get it. And Jesus has just told them what's going to happen in Jerusalem. And because they don't get it, they do what we all do when we don't get it. We're in groups together. We start arguing amongst ourselves about who's best, who's greatest, and competing. You know, it's as if the disciples went off and decided to shoot hoops to see who had the best shots or played a game of football to see who had the best pass. And they arrive at their destination and Jesus says, what were you arguing about on the way? And of course, he catches them flat-footed and they're so ashamed of themselves for being such typical people that they can't say a word. What is it about Christian community that is so remarkably different from the world in which we inhabit? Our world is very similar to their world. In their world, they argued about who was best and greatest. They crowned the greatest. Great wealth and riches flowed to the best. The people who were in power received the most honor. How is that different from our world? Not much. And what happens in our world? We compete with one another. It's not too much to say it's a rat race out there. But strangely enough, it's not in here. What is that about? Jesus takes a child and puts the child in front of them and says, you must learn to serve as last of all, and you must learn to accept the kingdom as a child accepts. What does he mean by that? When we think of kingdoms, we think of kingdoms we know, right? We think of kingdoms where the best have the best and the most, where we honor those who have the power. But the kingdom of God is not like that, is it? kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like a child reaching out for love. Now for those of you who have had children, do your children pop out of the womb with ambition for cars, for stuff, for a house, for a good job, for a career, for a big bank account, for a portfolio? You know the list. What do they want? They want to be loved. They want to be held. When they're hungry, they want food. When they're thirsty, they want something to drink. And when they simply need companionship, they want to be lifted up and embraced and held. And you know what? It doesn't matter how small their house is. It doesn't matter how big their house is. It doesn't matter where they live doesn't matter what's going on in politics. All that matters is that they know that they are held and loved and that their needs are looked after. Ambition and careers and bank accounts and cars, and that's all indoctrination, right? That's what the culture teaches them. All you have to do is turn on the TV, click, you're right there. But Jesus reminds his disciples and us, 
20 centuries later, that is not how we are in Christian community. We are somehow remarkably different from the rat race out there. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we're Marxists either. That's a whole different sermon right there. We are different from the ways that the world operates. And if you don't believe me, think for a moment about the every Sunday miracle that happens here. Look around this room and tell me how many people you see that you spend time with in your day-to-day -day life outside this place. And if you didn't gather with them here, would you gather with them out there? I bet in many ways, probably not. You spend time on Sunday mornings with people you wouldn't ordinarily spend time with. That is one of the miracles that happens in this community. People who are very different from you socioeconomically, who live in different neighborhoods than you do, who lead very different lives than you do, and we are gathered here together doing the same thing. What is that about? And when our one ambition on Sunday morning is to come to the rail, and raise up hands in want and in need for God's grace and we get handed a crumb of bread and we sip a sip of wine is that recognizable to the world we know and inhabit? Mm -mm. Doesn't make sense, does it, in the world of competition in the world where the most gets the mostest and the best gets the best here we all get the same thing and it's so little and yet so precious and so sacred. The best of our spiritual practices teach us to be like the child that Jesus places in front of his followers. Completely open-hearted, desiring a bit of love, desiring to be held, desiring to be seen and to be known perhaps the greatest gift of all that God offers us in Jesus Christ, the desire to find out who we truly are. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R MV for Mill Valley .org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.